And now, Remba explains. Hello, welcome to Remember Explains, season one, season finale, episode <laughs> six. I deemed it, this is now the season finale, right now. And I'm here with my friend, my colleague, my road dog, Jenna Wortham of the New York Times Magazine. That's right. Think things new are changing. Year, yeah, new year, new job, new me. I'm ready to put this year to bed. This year's not done with us. I'm done with the year. That is, that is a peaceful, I like, you're thinking about, there's so much... <laughs> There's like so much bad. We'll talk about this, but mm-hmm. there's so much negativity that's yeah. that's arisen this year. Mm-hmm. But we can't. We as a like a people, mm-hmm. we as friends, mm-hmm. we as humans, like cannot let it just like let it carry into 2015. Or 2015 yeah. is going to be even worse. Yeah. One of the things I want to talk about with you, uh, you being. A real person, but a creature of the internet, okay. as am I, is kind of thinking about the the health of the internet mm-hmm. as we close out the year. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, in terms of you know where we started in the past twelve months, how you think, how you think things have gone, like for better, for worse, like how your your personal health and relationship with the internet, mm-hmm. how that feels. So yeah, like how. What do you? What, what's your take on the health of the internet right now? Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of in the middle, right? The temperature is always a little bit in the middle. There's always some good and there's always some bad. I've been thinking about this a little bit this year, and I feel like maybe 2014 is the year the internet kind of got sick of itself, like kind of yeah. OD'd on itself and kind of, you know, I mean, it ended up kind of galvanizing people and motivating them around certain causes, which I guess we'll get to later, but yeah. it also was sort of like just over the top and... You know, I think we sort of treat the internet so seriously, and in some ways it is, but it's also used to be this place where we had a lot of fun, and you kind of used it to communicate and interact with your friends. And, you know, I was thinking about Twitter and how, you know, you can't even really crack a joke on Twitter anymore because serious Twitter comes in and takes it out of control. Watch dogs. Watch. Everybody's on watch. Everybody's on watch. Everybody's on watch. And I was thinking this morning about Kim Kardashian and when she cropped North out of the picture (laughs) and tweeted it. And she, which is, which in itself is hilarious. It's hilarious. Like, whatever. And then Kim's response was like, can I, like, I can't even, like, what? Can I, I live? <laughs> and she's right. Can she live? You, you, can't, know? you can't live you on can't the internet. Live. You cannot yeah. live on the internet. And there's some mm-hmm. people, I genuinely think, like, their version of living on the internet needs to be, like, mm-hmm. checked. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember. Even at some point this year, I, w- I was really at a place where, you know, I I wasn't even thinking twice before yeah. I would tweet. <clears throat> For sure. Because, because Twitter was my place to go when I like, needed a break from writing. Right. So I spent all day writing. My stuff's in edit. I'm mm-hmm. kind of waiting. I have this hour period where I'm waiting for everything to get prettied up before it gets published. Mm-hmm. And I would just, that's when I would open up Twitter. Fun time. And just like, yeah. Just, just tweeting anything, yeah. you know? And I'm not, I mean, the stuff, it's not like the stuff I was tweeting is stuff that, you know, could be misconstrued as racist or anything yeah. or sexist. But so I, I didn't have that worry. But I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily concerned with, how anything could be taken because mm-hmm. it felt like Twitter wasn't a 
a professional. I mean, it wasn't a professional space for me. Right. It was it was almost my silly social space. Yeah. And to talk to random people, but also just to talk to the people I know in real life in, in a public forum. Yeah. And mm, that changed. That that isn't how I'm leaving. Right. The year. And I think that is that's happening for two reasons. The main reason, though, is that you know the way we present and we carry ourselves and the way we sort of perform our ideas of who we are and our, our dear ideas of who we are as um, careerists and career people, that Twitter and Instagram and even Facebook in some ways become these kind of virtual resumes. And no one, yeah. I mean, we all, we're all on LinkedIn because you've got to be on LinkedIn, but no one's like, got to gotta be on LinkedIn. But like... My LinkedIn's still popping, by the way. <laughs> it's still, is still, like, I... I have a lot of activity on my LinkedIn. There's a lot happening on there. A lot of professional connections happening. A lot of connections. Every day. Got to get them all. Also, that news feed they have, again, I've said this. (laughs) I'll continue to say it. A very positive place. Like, I don't don't work for LinkedIn. I don't want to give that impression that I'm out here doing anything on behalf of LinkedIn. That's right. It's just a place of positivity where the (laughs) negativity is, like, beat out at all. Again, you don't find out anyone ever got fired on LinkedIn. That's true. It's all all promotions and new hiring. And Yes. And, you know. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. But it's a very, you know, exactly straightforward and dry place. And when people are trying to show off their work as a writer or their work as a stylist or whatever, it's like they're using all these other social outlets. And so it makes it very, you know, because those services have kind of stepped in as these professional calling cards it's mm-hmm. taken a little bit of the fun out of it and but that's also why i think that like vine is popping off right now because vine is a place of it's like the new mtv it's a pure unadulterated fun and like that's that's its own kind of version of the internet because it lives on a mobile app so yeah. it's kind of beca- and i think that's why like even whatsapp even though now it's owned by facebook but like whatsapp has kind of taken off as this place where a lot of my friends are using it to talk and chat and interact because it's just like a private smaller kind of you know it's a house party basically yeah. it's not hanging at the club, it's like you're in your own little club. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like that's an incur- That's like the silver lining for me is that even though the broader internet's become a little bit less fun because it's a little less personal, that there are these other little enclaves that are popping up. And so I feel like that is a thing I'm ultimately excited about. Good. The other thing that seems kind of positive about, I mean, it's sad that Twitter's not as much fun, but what's exciting about it is that people are maybe viewing these services as less of a direct extension of who they are, you know? So we are okay. getting a little bit more of a separation of church and state, a little bit more of a public okay. versus persona, you know, the public versus the private persona. Okay. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Like, I think it's actually kind of healthy to have a little bit of, to not treat Twitter, you know, we're, we're having like a like moment of what you of see is what you get. Like, what what I get from this Twitter user is not necessarily, not necessarily the Like, they're absolute right. and... You think there's... Do you, I think right it's now, healthy. You think it's sort of, healthy. To, Why? I think it's healthy to realize that, you know, you don't have to put everything out online. Like, you don't have to 100%. You don't have to take it so seriously that it's fine to use it in whatever capacity you need to and then seek those other kinds of more intimate and real interactions other places. Like, yeah. I just feel like there's this perception that kind of who we are online has to completely reflect who we are offline, which is kind of not the point even of the internet. You know what I mean? The idea yeah. is, like, be able to play out different versions of yourself and characters and, you know, to have yeah. fun online. It's like going to college and, like, exactly. starting a new persona. But I think the the point for me when it started to really shift in terms of Twitter user equating, like, real human being mm-hmm. is when I, when I started to almost, like, uniformly see... 
Twitter handles going in like email signatures as like part of the identity. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then I started to like wonder like should I should I also do that because if I <clears throat> I used to be if I want someone to like kind of learn about me like I want them to mm-hmm. I want them to see my writing and I think they can get a pretty good gauge of who I am based on how I write or what I write about. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, well I kind of had to take a step back and it's like I guess at at in this moment is I was I was I was happy with what I was giving off on Twitter as being not that far away from how how I am in real life mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? Okay, I guess this is like a, one of those things that I guess can sum me up and like sure. people aren't going to uh Read my Twitter and then meet me in real life, and it's a two, surprise. Like, right. Like oh, right. like right. You don't actually like talk like that, or yeah. you're not actually into this type of stuff. I was like, it's it's pretty close, but mm-hmm. that was because I was just I was just tweeting, like actually just tweeting the stuff that was popping up in my head. Mm-hmm. So of course it was like kind of close. Yeah. But then partially just seeing some people that I know in real life who are good people kind of get, you know, just, just crash just, and burn. Just yeah. destroyed yeah. based off of something that probably was just like offhand and, yeah. you know, but if the wrong person sees it, like that starts the snowball effect. Right. And you can't, you yeah, can't, you can't stop get it. it back. Yeah, you true. can't stop it. And, but again, like there are some people in some instances where that, Watchdog mentality is so, like, so real. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like what's happening right now with, yeah, like Chuck Johnson, that the, that's right, the writer from I forget where you were. I don't. We care. don't, need to, we don't even, even need to. Yeah, we don't, we need, don't to need to even. Yeah. But like, that's a case where I'm like, even though, kind of, all press is still kind of good press for him. So it's one of those weird things. Like, I kind of want everyone to stop writing about him, but. I want the entire world to know that this very, you know, this writer who is just saying blasphemous things about right. people. Um, this is related to, like, the UVA rape case. Like, yeah. the, like, just lots of stuff. Like, I want that. I want the watchdogs on him, not only from Twitter, but from New York Times, from right. everywhere. But with every case like that, there seems to be a case where... That's right. Like, very normal... Twitter user was just trying to say something and kind of just the wrong the, gotta, yeah. the wrong watchdog sees it and right right they're done right. I mean, it goes back to kind of you know when thinking about the health of the internet. I mean, on one hand, this sort of heightened accountability and transparency that people are required to kind of you know like the watchdog kind of culture does lead to people being much more thoughtful and much more careful about how they conduct themselves online, which can ultimately be a good thing. But at the same time, it's hard to ignore that the internet does. And by the internet, I just mean like social systems that have any kind of feedback loop. They can, they can kind of exacerbate the, I guess, what I would consider kind of negative behavioral characteristics because they kind of attract attention. Like the worse you behave, the more faves you get, the more retweets, the more attention. I mean, this is why we're talking about Chuck Johnson because he's yeah. basically an aggressive troll and yeah. like it's something. And so he's generating a reaction and that feeds that reaction. Yeah. And I feel like people have been using the, you know, in Ghostbusters 2 when they're like, 
there's the crazy like psychoreactive oh, yeah. like yeah. pink slime. Yeah. And it's there's actually a Ghostbusters game where like you have to like shimmy down into the sewer and like get the slime. A video game? There's a video. It's like on a, it was like on an MSDOS. I had this game. I could okay. never figure out how to make it work, but okay. we had to like it was like on an old computer and I couldn't yeah. get to work. But you had to like shimmy down this and like scoop up the mood slime and like try to test it. Uh-huh. And people have been using that as like and um as analogous to like what's happening on the internet, like the social internet, which is that like there is this sort of thing that we're all kind of reacting to, and the more energy that goes into it, the more it's like kind of getting out of control. Yeah. It's not a good analogy, you know. It's but it's, it's no, you I, know. I also I think it's apt. One thing I think uh, move on after this, but one thing you said earlier reminded me, like there was a moment in <clears throat> all this stuff that's come out about the Sony hacks. Right. Uh, one of the things that I I read was that it's. Now that, you know, people's emails have been put out there and, like, these things that they thought were private, mm-hmm. which are now public, which is a, very much a theme of this year yeah. uh, for good and bad, like, now that's going to kind of take this communication kind of into, like, a kind of, like, an underworld almost. It's like they're going to be more, like, face-to-face meetings. There's going to be more, like, instead of emailing out to big groups, it's just mm-hmm. going to be a lot of, like, one-on-one here, one-on-one there. That's and right. Like, I thought that was very interesting, and I think there's good and bad that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of reminded me of my year on the internet and how I've I've felt myself make a transition from being a very much a broadcaster mm-hmm. to taking a lot of those thoughts that I would normally broadcast and like text a my group text right. or send it to an email chain right. or have a one-on-one conversation in real life. Not, not because I don't want everyone to like know my, know my opinion, but it's like, well, what, what it, it comes back to this idea of like taking a step back and it's like, well, why <clears throat> am I doing this? Like, right. I, I think anyone that tries to pretend that they don't use social media as a way of just kind of like wanting people to see them. Yeah. Like hasn't really thought about why they use social yeah. media. But there has been a I I personally have had a shift and I think I've seen it with other people too. It's like I maybe maybe it's a I've broadcasted enough and I think people kind of get me. Sure. You know, I've like Sure. I've 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 been out here for a couple of years. Like you kind of know what you're gonna get from me on Twitter, right. and right. maybe maybe I'm kind of uh, I don't I don't I don't have anything else to prove. That's right. That's right. Uh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Because um, I I definitely felt that a couple of years ago with Facebook. It's like mm-hmm. you know what? Like, yep. I still I I still go to Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a lurker than right. a than than a poster. Yeah. But I've kind of I feel like I've 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 proven my worth here. I've proven like. Why? I, how I use this thing, and if I pop up, I pop up. If I don't, like, yeah, okay, and like maybe, maybe it's just like a length of time using any mm-hmm. technical service. Yeah, of course. It's uh, like you're coming out of, you know, we we were all kind of going through puberty online in this weird way, where we were mm-hmm. kind of coming into what it meant to be able to, you know, tweet out any thought that you had at any given moment, you know, yeah. or. or Document your life through Facebook. And it I mean, felt good when people started really to good. like. Yeah, like, it still feels good. It yeah. still feels good. It's like when but... like, like 
it's the first time someone like tells you like they like your outfit. Yeah. And then you <laughs> you wear that outfit for like the next two weeks. Yeah. It's like oh like you sh- you sh- you shared my article like yep. you you retweeted me like oh like I'm obviously gonna tweet something else then. Yes. Like that's that's all it is. Like people want to be liked. Yeah, we have. A, I think we have a healthier. Well, I'm saying we. I don't know in a broader sense, but I think you know some of us, at least mm-hmm. the two of us right now, are are starting to have a healthier relationship to kind of, you know, the way we mediate and moderate our lives through devices and services. So, which is good. I think hey. that's ultimately good. See, that's a good thing that came out <laughs> of this silver year. Silver lining. That's, there's a silver lining in this year. Like just we're growing up. Like we're we're grow- We we are growing up on the internet, but we're mm-hmm. also growing up as Internet users. Internet Americans. I always think about it. We are Internet Americans. Mm -hmm. So now I want to keep on and talk about some things from this year that we've really gotten into. Okay. A couple things and some things from this year that we just aren't. Like, feeling. We aren't feeling anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, it happens. It ha- you know, it happens. You know, you just you you, you yeah. can't keep up the fairy tale forever <laughs> with everything. You you try to, you get overextended, and you mentioned this thing, which I'm which I'm glad you did. But this year, I have I've had like a new like Q3 Q4 reemergence and love for Vine. It welcome, got so, welcome back. It got so bad. I deleted <laughs> Vine from my phone. Like, oh, I've never had Vine on my phone. Like maybe oh, for what? a month. I've never had Vine on my phone. <gasps> Why do you need Vine on your phone? Because I was out here. here that, here's people, the thing. Aren't people texting you links, like, clicking on them from Twitter? No. Here's the thing. Mm. When I got Vine, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna make Vine. Oh yeah, we all tried that. Like, yeah, I, I, we're not. I, no. I'm gonna be King no. Bach. <laughs> <laughs> I thought no. I could be King Bach. The, oh, the, the the who is the king of Vine? Who is the king? Well, that was a hard, that was a hard realization for you, huh? Like you really had to come to grips. I was like, oh, oh, New York Mag is gonna write about King Bach and not me. That's so why I, I got mad. Rims out here like doing his little. <laughs> I was like trying to do backflips and stealing people's purses and hanging on cars like King Bach. No. But I, didn't, I just happen. didn't happen. I don't have a yeah. Vine crew. Yeah, and yeah. Which you you need you, you, need, <laughs> you need a Vine crew. Yeah, you need to have your homies you can call and be like, meet me in the driveway. Meet five the driveway. minutes. <laughs> Like I don't I don't have mm-hmm. that 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 crew, and so I deleted it, mm-hmm. and I thought I was done with Vine, and then I was like, you know what, that wasn't why I needed Vine. Yeah. I, did, I again I didn't need to broadcast. That's right. I just needed to absorb this as the most entertaining mm-hmm. stuff that exists. Mm-hmm. Just like period. Right. And I know you love Vine. I love Vine. I really do. I think Vine is interesting because it's kind of, it feels like this evolution of humor in a way that I haven't really seen beyond like something like The Onion or like college humor or like certain kinds of like SNL skits. Like I feel like the types of humor. Like digital shorts. Like digital shorts, right. That's right. Or like viral videos, which mm. are not really about humor. It's kind of like a gotcha. You know, it's like I, so I really do appreciate kind of the culture that has emerged on Vine of cracking jokes, visual punchlines, you know, Things that are kind of, it really just reminds me of when, you know, you're a teen, you're hanging out in your bedroom, and you and your friend just start cracking up over some stupid inside joke. I feel like that's like a, there's a very collective kind of inside joke that happens yeah. on, on on Vine, and people are making jokes out of like, that like weird Raven Simone one that's like, <laughs> no, like no. I don't even know where it's, it's like a weird dance, it's like, stop, drop, one time, like, 
Hit it for the vine. But it's like Ravens. Do the Raven for the vine. 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 And there's a million of them, and I don't know how that's. And then there was one of Raven doing, but it was like after, and I was like, what? Like Raven, someone told Raven, like, yo, Raven, there's a <laughs> vine about a dance called doing the Raven for the yeah. vine on Vine. Right. You should do one. Right. Right. And it's this, it's this whole thing, and I love that, and it's just very, it feels very energetic and playful, and again, that's what I think has been missing from the internet, and I love that it's got its own, you know, fluency to it that people who use it or, you know, seem to yeah. get. I don't get it, but I love watching it. It's, and I know we've talked about this, it is, there is so, so much good that has happened online in the past year has come by way of mm-hmm. teens because mm-hmm. when teens learned how to film things it was just like right. that, that, that was like the match that needed to happen that's right it's like why I I spent like two weeks only watching Nene videos it was just because it was all like high school kids from Atlanta yeah. trying to like make better Nene videos of from other high school kids in Atlanta and I was like none of y'all are going to class but y'all, they might be in class. They might be sometimes in class. they're in class. Sometimes it literally, it's like like the teacher's just like, and they're just like, like. I still can't do that. Day. I I can't. I'm like I'm been I've I've practiced a lot, and it's yeah. It's but it's not as good as yeah. No, like I again, it's like I'm never gonna do the nene as good as a 16 year old. I know. Like I will never have that much confidence. I will never just be that. Like excited about anything, That's but like true. like Vine, like again, it, it's tapping into something that is like the concept. Like mm-hmm. I, I still, I, I'm still so blown away because mm-hmm. like the concept of it is just so simple. Right. I mean, here's the thing though. Like, okay, so before Vine, it's not like dance crazes were born of the internet, right? Yeah. Like I remember in you know, middle school, whatever, like, learning how to do the Roger Rabbit, or, like, or yeah. elementary school, someone's, like, teaching how to do the Roger Rabbit, yeah. or, like, some, like, the kid and play was a dance that was, like, passed yeah. down from my older sisters, you know, these things happen, but what I think is really powerful about Vine is, earlier we said the phrase, Internet Americans, and I do think there's something really powerful about teens and people all across our country who, even though, as we saw this year, there's been, there's still these kind of crazy you know, socioeconomical and racial fault lines that can, like, split into very incredibly divisive ways. I think there's something really powerful about being 15 and living in one part of the country, opening Vine, and then realizing that this person who lives in a totally different part of the country that you may have no other reference point for happens to be in a bedroom that looks just like yours, and you guys are talking about the exact same thing. And I I don't know what the outcome of that will be, but I, I have a hard time thinking that won't be incredibly influential in shaping... That, and that's my silver lining, yeah. also. Like, and when it, I think about And that it's not, you know, it, it was one of those things, like, many things that I think kids and young adults do that are playful. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning, it was just seemed like this, like, gigantic waste of time. Mm-hmm. It's like, look at these kids just, like, wasting all their time mm-hmm. on this, like, social media app instead of, like, doing everything else. But now it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, this is, like, real media. This is, it's real media. This is, like, very real. Yeah, real income. I mean, and like, people make money from like that. Like, these people have followings that, I mean, that 
I think New Yorker just came out with a piece. Mm-hmm. A cover um, story. Yeah, a cover story about, you know, like, you know, the complex in L.A. that all these Vine mm-hmm. stars live in and how Amazing. they collaborate. Like, Gotta go there. It is, have to go there. <laughs> Please let us come. Invite us. Please invite us. <laughs> but when you th- when you see it in that lens, it's like... Mm-hmm. Th- that is a it's a like a it's a commune of yeah. creativity. Like in what in what world is that not an awesome thing? Like right. that's always right. it's not it's not just like necessarily person X right like in their bedroom doing stuff only. Like watching it, I think watching Vine like evolve and mature, but also still stay like fun and playful has mm-hmm. been one of my silver linings of the year. Absolutely, and that's why I'm so into it going into 2015. Cool, me too. Uh, Glad we're on the same page there. What uh, What about you? What's What's something you're into this year? I'm like very excited. Oh, okay. I was thinking about this yesterday and I was trying to think what I did differently this year that I haven't done a lot in, in past years. And uh-huh. I think I've actually gone to the movies more in the second half of this year than I think I have in the last like two years combined. Really? Yes, and I saw Beyond the Lights, Shout out, okay. to Goo- shout out to Goo Goo. Shout out to Goo Goo. <laughs> Gina Prince by the water. By the way. The, 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 the shout out. Girl. <laughs> shout out. Shout out. And saw top five, mm. which I loved. Can't wait to see Selma, which I know you've seen. I mean, there's just so much, there's so much more, you know, I'll just say it. There's so many more black characters on screen than there have been in years past. And there, there's so many more options. Oh, yeah, Dear White People was the other one we, I saw recently. You're also really excited when you learned that Rosario's character was based off of you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You were like, how come no one told me Rosario worked for the New York Times? <laughs> how come no one told me? No one told you. No one told me. We all just were, we were excited for you to find out. Oh my God. I almost got kicked out of the movie for tweeting, like screaming and tweeting during the movie. And Usher came over me and he was like, ma'am, like, this is- you got to simmer. Or you're gonna have to. Leave. Like, but it's, but I was it's, like, but you don't understand. <laughs> this is a moment. Yeah, I was excited. I was excited about it beyond that. But that was also a very personal, exciting moment. Whether you know, I just could fantasize Wait. for a second as that character. And you but saw Dear White People. I did see Dear White People. What did you think? I liked it, and actually, I know the main character in it. We went to college together, Tessa May. Um, she's friends of a friend, and I was very proud. She's also in Selma. And she's in Selma. Just killing it. Just killing it. Killing it. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Just killing it. Tessa, come through. Tessa, Tessa, come on the show. Come on, yeah, I'll hook you up. I'm a, I'll make an intro uh, on it. LinkedIn. That, that CC on <laughs> <laughs> that LinkedIn. Get that LinkedIn going. Um, I think I have one more free intro. You, know, you get like a certain number of free intros. Um, I thought it was great. You know, I mean, I definitely thought that, you know, it was a little bit of an updated version or a 2014 version of higher education and it feels like those issues shouldn't still be relevant at these higher institutions, but yeah. they are. And so I was I was grateful for a film that kind of tried to put it in a little bit of context. Did it? Did it feel? I, when I would when I would talk to people about dear white people, I I had very different conversations based on when the people I was talking to went to college. Right. Right. You know, uh, and you know. <clears throat> That movie feels like a descendant, you know, of a of a school days that's or right. higher learning, like or higher learning, that's higher right, learning. Not yet. Um, higher education. And <laughs> higher education. <laughs> Your face, you were like, hmm. I was like, oh yeah, higher education. <laughs> it is like higher education. <laughs> higher learning. Higher learning. Um, Great film. 
And like those are both films that I've seen, but they are, you know, when I saw Dear White People, my immediate thought wasn't past movies about black kids in college. It was like me in college, mm-hmm. like a handful of years ago, mm-hmm. because like some of the scenes in the film that I was watching, I was like, this is mad familiar. Completely like, I completely, yeah. I completely understand what a, a black student union in a predominantly white school is. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get that. Right. And I, I understand the, the types of factions that happen within a black community at a, at a white college. Right. And I understand, you know, who some of the actors are, and I understand, you know, some of the surface-level stuff, but, like, right. what's behind that. Like, all, right. that, all that stuff in the film, really, I, I, I felt real connections to. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, while not... Like very few movies are perfect. Like while <clears throat> while not a perfect movie, I mm-hmm. I thought it was it was carried out like super savvily. And yeah, I, I, I was I was very much um, having very very uh, not high or low expectations. I was like just excited to just have it as an option. Yeah, I mean, that's, like this you know, is for sure. I hope they. But I, I was also like I hope they do this right. Did mainly mm-hmm. because it was getting a pretty like, intense like, groundswell of support and people were saying good things about it. I was like, mm-hmm. I hope they're saying good things about it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw it, I was like, I was happy with it. You, really you felt was. good about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. So I think I think now that uh, we've kind of talked about various aspects of things we've liked this year, getting, getting down to a couple themes from the year that we mm-hmm. think kind of define... Define 2014, mm-hmm. uh, and one thing that has has long upset me, but I haven't had like a really good counter is you know when when it's said that our generation is kind of an apathetic one, mm-hmm. you know one that you know like, like we care about stuff, but we just like sit behind our laptops all the day, blah 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 blah. And in especially in this past month or two months, with all of the tragic news with <clears throat> Mike Brown and everything and Eric Garner, like watching all all people, but also like movements kind of led by young people. Yeah. Like that it's a it's a direct counter to what has long been said about, you know, people in their twenties and early thirties in terms of being apathetic, like actually like in mass marching through right. major cities all over the country, yeah, you know, like not feeling, not feeling that anxiety about you know, really like speaking up for yourself like in person, you know, not just like keyboard courage or right. like just like tweeting stuff and being an activist that way, but like actually leaving, leaving your computer, which at this point you don't ever have to do yeah. and like going outside and like openly disrupting society by right. way of marching <laughs> and you know these die-ins have been like Just extremely powerful to me like very powerful. like from the name in right. itself yeah. to like watching them happen like in in schools and in grand central and like all over like that like that stuff that while it comes from like a like stems from terrible events like taking part of them and watching them happen Mm -hmm. and like being upset that like i was in la when that march in new york was happening 
like that I couldn't be a part yeah. of that. Like th- those are all really good signs for me, just in terms of looking forward, like, right? In in terms of what you know, not letting Ferguson be a two week news story because mm-hmm. it could have it could have just happened. People upset, and then the next thing happens. Right. But right. a lot of that are you know younger folk who you know, are kind of fed up. And I and I, I think that's a really, a really good thing. It feels empowering. I mean, it yeah. feels empowering to see it. And I think, you know, it's true. A lot of big news events feel very ephemeral because we're kind of, you know, inundated and very saturated with information and images around it. And then it kind of goes away. And I, I don't know, but I was also out of town this weekend during when the marches were happening in New York. And I was, you know, I kind of forgot they were happening. And then I would open Instagram and see these incredibly powerful images. And I... You know, again, I think that the social media, the tools of social media have long been thought of as tools for narcissism and self-involvement and self-absorption and, like, you know, apathetic. I loved the way you said keyboard courage and yeah. just, like, this disassociation when actually it, was, it became tools for fueling a kind of movement because you couldn't forget about it because it was in your feed. It was all over your feeds, and it wasn't yeah. just turning on the TV. I don't even have a TV. It was sort of, you know, every single place I looked, I was getting this sort of you know, secondary feedback that people cared and that this was a thing that was happening. And I think that we're learning that activism online is just one kind of activism. You know, retweeting a link is one kind of activism. And then that this is actually, they can work in tandem. And that one can push, you know, the other forward. And I I think that was really the most empowering thing to me to realize this year too. Like watching, having having a a small amount of cynicism at the beginning of Mm -hmm. the year just with how hashtags were implemented Mm -hmm. to this, you know, by the end of the year, you know, watching, you know, I Can't Breathe and Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, like, take over the entire culture and, like, make their way into people carrying that message out in real life, but it's starting from a hashtag on Twitter like that. It's it's like you said. It's like the merger of the two things. It's like it's not like you have your people on the internet over here, right? And your activists out in the streets over there. It's like yep. oh, let's find a way to work in tandem, right? Right. And like you can't avoid us because we've shut down the streets, and you can't avoid us online because we've taken over Twitter. That's right. Like this dual, this dual, this double, like this two-headed monster of like in real life and online, like, working together has been, like, an amazing thing to come out of, again, what is, you know, events that you wish never happened. Right. But it's like, they they happened. Right. So now what? Right, and I think the despair that myself and, I mean, I imagine a lot of people felt around the verdict um, in the Eric Garner case of the cop that did put him in that chokehold would not be um, indicted over that death. You know, I think that despair could have gone nowhere and just kind of gone inward and, and you know, been blossomed into this feeling of just like, well, why do anything? Nothing matters. Like, yeah. this doesn't matter. It kind of was funneled into this kind of, you know, smoldering rage that was like burning, that kind of started online and then migrated offline. And I think that was also really powerful to sort of feel like, you know, that there was something that you could actually do and sort of depending on what you had access to. And again, I think it's part of the maturation of the internet and that like, we're figuring out how to use it when it matters and how to make use of it. And now we're fluent in it. And we can figure out how to make it, the messages that need to get through, get through. 100%.
hundred percent. Uh, so yeah, that's one of my, that's, that's my, that's my theme one. Um, for the Silver Linings playbook that we've got going on right here. This is a Silver Linings playbook. This is a, <laughs> this is a really, uh, uh, a good space right now. I'm, yeah, I'm, we're I'm just, happy. We're trying to work through it. We're trying to work through it. It's like when people say like, just tweet through it. Like when you, when you have some, <laughs> when you like have some emotions and you just need to tweet through it, like tweet it out. This is us just like talking it out. Uh, okay. What about you? Uh, you mentioned something about uh, we were talking about security earlier. Um, yeah. What is one of your themes from the year that you you think like really kind of sums up mm-hmm. our culture right now? Mm-hmm. So it sounds negative, but it's, I think that there is a silver lining to it. But I I really think that this was the year. Twenty fourteen was the year that there was a little bit of a deflation of kind of this technophoria utopian bubble we've been living in, where uh-huh. we thought that technology would be a panacea for all of our problems and all of our, you know, would make society better and sort of would lead to like a closing of the, you know, wealth gap or whatever that would sort of displace all these things that were problematic and wrong with our world. And I just feel like this is the year that we kind of saw technology turn against us a little bit. We kind of realized things weren't as secure as they were originally promised to be, that we kind of realized that things like persistent surveillance or documentation wouldn't, you know lead necessarily to justice and you know i think we kind of you know it's i think this is something i'm still coming to terms with and it's like a it's a difficult reckoning but when you think about probably the biggest new technology company of its generation uber right it's like valued over 40 billion dollars makes a ton of money is like also seen as incredibly ruthless and cutthroat and you know very 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 dubious practices and I think that's actually like probably more closely in line with how we should be thinking about our relationship to technology, which is that these services can improve our lives, but they actually are also, you know, subjective, very unsavory yeah. practices. So that's something that I've been thinking about. It sounds it sounds negative, but I actually think it's it's good to have a healthier relationship to realizing that these companies are still businesses and realizing that they're corporations. They're corporations. Like, yeah. And it's it's interesting because like the way I think, I think it's I think it's always healthy to just understand like who you're who or what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. and you know Uber gets rolled out, and the first thing it's like, oh, I can just get a cab to come to my house and scoop me up. There is nothing wrong with that, right? And then it's like, okay, after that that initial thing, it's like, okay, well then you have to start to wonder about. You know what that does to the delivery cab industry and like other mm-hmm. riders, drivers, blah blah blah. But then you kind of—I remember getting a sense that there was they were kind of, and depending on the city, kind of working together a little bit. So right. I was like, oh, okay, well, it is good. So I, I, I can go back to a place <laughs> where like this is just a service being offered to me. That's right. That and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But as the year plays on, you you know you. You learn about more things, you, you know, I think recently, you know, there was this story about these, like, just outrageous surge prices that were happening, like, in the middle of, like, a crisis, where, yeah. like, like it, it's just, like, it, you know, it's kind during of... during the Sydney hot, hot, like, yeah, hostage it was crisis. Yeah, it was in Sydney, it was like, yeah. the, city's, the city's under siege, yeah, it's and like, Uber's, like... Press OK for 2.7 times the regular price. So you want a car? Like, it's going to cost you three times as much. Ooh. Are you OK with that? Is that cool? It's shady. Like, same thing was kind of yeah. happening in Ferguson also. Yeah, like, it's It's true. like, it's, it's one of those things where, and we were ta- I was talking about this 
in a, a previous podcast about about professional sports leagues and how like you want to just think it's sports, but like mm-hmm. these are just massive corporations, mm-hmm. and there's like in you don't want to think about it the same way you think about like the big banks or you know all these right. things where y- there's a precedent to think that dubious things are are behind everything and mm-hmm. like uh, like fairness isn't necessarily at the top of the food chain. You, you, you yeah. don't you don't want you don't want that to cloud your love for services and you don't want that Especially to cloud like, your love for sports or like yeah. things that you things that that you enjoy but right. although I do think I mean everything you're saying is is totally in line with what I'm trying to say I also think that you know with the technology industry there's this perception that like oh we're improving the world like we're different from everyone else like we're not going to be the crazy evil corporations of the world that we're actually going to make your lives better we're going to improve the lives of the people that bind the service and improve the lives of the people who work for the service and yeah. i think there's been this slow realization that like you know that there are just incredibly complex and convoluted unintended consequences of the ubiquity of something like uber or the ubiquity of something like facebook or the ubiquity of like you know Target having all of these credit card <laughs> numbers mm-hmm. and consolidated in the same place or whatever it is. You know, it's like I, I think that we're kind of realizing that, you know, it is some of these promises are difficult to uphold and it's hard to know exactly what you're buying into when you download an app and put it on your phone and start using it every day. It's hard to, and I think, I think we're kind of slowly coming to terms with realizing um, what exactly we're buying into, which I think yeah. is ultimately going to be good. Hopefully it's not too late, but. I think it's, it's going to be good because it's, this year, I feel the same way we were saying we've kind of grown up in terms of our our relationship with the Internet. Mm-hmm. I think this year with a lot of things making their way out into the public, we've, mm-hmm. as, a, as a society, have been forced to grow up and, like, <clears throat> become more savvy in terms of right. how we are <clears throat> approaching, like, these these services or these... Things as simple as apps, where it's like, oh, I'm just downloading apps on my phone. It's like, but are you? Right. And then that moment being like, okay, let me let me really think about what all this is before I go forward. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do think that this is a we're in a weird moment right now because it's like that moment you like you you learn everything. And you're like, oh, like how do I how do I deal with all this new information mm-hmm. or like just these new realizations? Like, I think. Now that we're, that's the moment we're in now, and I think looking forward, it'll just, the playing field will start to even. Just yeah. like the, the knowledge gap. Right. Like, it, right. it used to be like, you know, the corporations and the, the decision makers, like, knew, knew everything, and we just kind of were like blindly saying yes, or yeah. like clicking accept, or not, not questioning, because we didn't, we didn't have any any reason to think we needed to question mm-hmm. some things. But I, I think this year it's clear everything is worth questioning. And I'm and yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. The knowledge gap in that regard is definitely closing. We're thinking a lot more about what it means, what we're what else we're buying into and we're implicitly sort of signing up for, you know, seamless or Uber or you know, whatever it is. It's like we're kind of we're we're kind of opting into a little bit more I don't, I don't know what I was saying there. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry. 
<laughs> I just pictured like a piece of pizza for some reason randomly. It's like, oh, I don't seamless? Know I was thinking about seamless. <laughs> I was thinking about the seamless. <laughs> I was thinking about the seamless year in review, how you buy into seamless. Oh, yeah. You opt into seamless. You're thinking, this is just a nifty way for me to order my dinner for one. No one has to know except for me and the delivery man. And then seamless sends you an email. It's like, listen, you got Chinese food 25 times on Sunday oh. last night. Or whatever, last year. And you're like, no one's supposed to, like, what? The seamless year review is just despicable. Turned against us. That is that is the definition of technology turning against us. Seamless year in review. Seamless and mint.com. Or and Etsy.com. Don't tell me how much I spent on Etsy this year. Do you want my business in 2015? Don't tell me how much Don't money I spent. Me. Don't ever tell me. <laughs> like, like, leave the wool. Like, like, let me live blissfully ignorant about blissfully how ignorant. many times I ordered pad thai this year. Or how many times I bought, I primed something after midnight. Just let it show up. Just, I don't need the shipping confirmation. Please. Just like, come on. I'll know when it gets here. I don't need to be reminded. I bought satin pillowcases yeah. drunk last night, <laughs> which I did do. It's good for your hair. That's fine. Good for your hair. Moving forward. Moving forward. Um, what else you got? <laughs> so I, I think, I think the best way to close this out before I close this out and offer up my final thing, I have something to give to you. <laughs> If I can find it. This is like this is, this Ren's is, version of like Oprah's best th- favorite thing. This is literally Oprah's best things. Uh, as a, I want you to have a great 2015. Uh, this is $16 of chips at the Harris in New Orleans. Wow. A city we both love. A city we both love. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Yeah. This is perfect. And can't wait. For Backstreet Boys AJs. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're great. <laughs> Perfect for my new desk. I've been needing to decorate my new desk. I can't wait. Look at him. I mean, listen, this is a classic right here. This is we haven't we haven't hit Kwanzaa yet, but like I'm in I'm in I'm in the, Kwanzaa came early this Kwanzaa year. Kwanzaa came early, came early this, this year. year. Okay, well I actually brought you something for twenty fifteen to help us move into the new year. Yes. Are you ready? I'm very excited. This is something that's very close to my own personal is, life and interests. I'm, are you ready? You have to open you it. You wrapped it? Well, someone wrapped it. Is it a... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is great. It looks like a a, a six-inch from the bodega. I would have brought you a sub. I should have brought you a sub. <gasps> oh, my God. It's an amethyst. There you go. Okay. Oh, this so, is so dope. <laughs> oh, this is so dope. The lady who reads my aura tells me that this is the best way to kind of cleanse oh and shower your goodness. spirit. And so you're just going to... You know, use that to bring you into the new year. She gave me a discount because I got my aura. Read there recently, but this is my gift to you. I'm passing it forward. I'm this paying is, it forward. Amethyst is a really important birthstone for me because it amethyst is the birthstone of February, mm-hmm. which is my mother's birthstone. Beautiful. And most birthdays, my, I, my aunt would always be like, yo, here's... go in the mall. Go to Spencer's. Go to to Spencer's and get her the purple one. It's the amethyst. And so my mom's just got amethyst all over the house. But now this is going to live in my home. Oh, this is great. I think think this is a perfect way to say, like, I think, I I genuinely think 2015 is going to be a great year. Agree. I think... I think we we had a lot of battles this year. Mm-hmm. We learned a lot about ourselves. Yeah. We learned a lot about each other. We learned a lot about 
you know, being internet Americans. We, mm-hmm. I think we just, I think we grew up really fast. We, we were forced to grow up really fast this yeah. year. And while it still feels like overwhelming and like terrible and everything, years like this prevent you from just coasting blindly into the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's no way to go through this 12, these 12 months and be like, I, let me just continue to behave the same way or right. think about the world the same way or look at things through the same lens. Like it, it is, it has forced me to just do a complete self evaluation yeah. about how I, how I think about everything. Yeah. And I, a hundred percent this year was a wake up call. It was a turning point and it's kind of up to us to figure out how to proceed with that, you know? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I want to, I want to soak up these last two weeks or so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and, you know, look back and, you know, like we did today, like find the, the interesting nuggets of, of good that happened. Mm-hmm. And then like January, not January 1, but like January, like maybe the third or the fourth. Yeah, push it back. Push it back. You know, yeah. depending, depending on if. Listen, uh, Q1 officially starts, I think, January 15th. So oh, there you go. Oh. I'm pretty sure that's when a financial like fiscal year starts. So Q one, I am, I am, I'm waking up. I'm getting like ten hours of sleep before Q one. Yeah, I'm waking up. You got some time. I'm we got, we got some time. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, Jenna, thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for furthering my, you know, budding gambling, you know, wow. obsession. I really, I really feel like we made a, a even trade right we now. Did. Like, I mean, look at this. Look at this face. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming. Uh, season one in the it's books. A it's, it's a wrap. wrap. Season two. Oh, cheers to that. Season two coming to you. Q1 <laughs> 2015 is going to be a beautiful year. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And see you in the new year. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or... Go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.